Hello there, everyone. Uh, happy Father's Day. Please bless your fathers. And uh, these can be biological fathers in your life or spiritual fathers in your life or um, anyone who you see as a father. Uh, do good to them. Um, send them a message. Uh, show appreciation uh, for our fathers. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you've made us powerful people. We thank you, God, and we honor you today. We pray, Father, that your word would come through so powerfully and speak to us with regards to the issues in our lives. We open our hearts to you now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. So we're continuing to talk about kingdom identity. And today I want to focus on something so powerful. And that's right. It's I am powerful. Say to the person next to you, I am powerful. Just say it out loud. Shout it out loud. I am powerful. You see, often when I ask people to do that, they begin to laugh. They literally pack out laughing because a lot of us are not comfortable with power. You see, if I say to you, oh, we didn't have any electricity last night. If you're a kind, caring, reasonable human being, you would feel for me, right? So we're fine with power when we're talking about ESCOM or uh, whatever your power supply is, right? Um, but when we talk about being a powerful person, we associate that with arrogance, don't we? Okay, that's so arrogant. How can you say you are powerful? There's nothing wrong with power. Power is A's ability to make B do something that B would otherwise not have done. Okay, and uh, when power is exerted, it becomes influence. That's the impact of our power. So we are powerful people and it's important to embrace your power, but at the same time to use your power to serve. You see, the problem isn't power. The problem is the abuse of power. And in this day and age, um, when we hear of so many cases of gender-based violence, for example, um, uh, we see that power is being abused, okay? Uh, literally, we're having a lot of men killing their wives, okay? I know it happens the other way around also, uh, but lately we've been uh, seeing this happening. We see it on the media. We, uh, we see it in the media. We hear the president talking about it, and it's something that needs to be addressed. So the abuse of power is not great. I also want to highlight that as I talk about how we are powerful people today, um, let's remember that power should be shared, okay? It's important to share your power. So it's not an egotistical message. It's not about, I am so powerful and you're so weak, okay? It's because I'm powerful, I can also help to empower you to become more powerful. You see, if your mindset around power is zero-based, you have a mindset that looks something like this. If I've got 10 units of power and you've got zero, let me give you two, okay? Oh, now you've got two and I'm down to eight, okay? That's a zero-based mentality when it comes to power. Let me give you another two. You're up to four and I'm, I'm down to six. I can't give you any more power because then we'll be equal, all right? Power has no zero base. There's what's known as the reciprocal nature of power. So I empower you to empower me to empower you, okay? So the more power I'm giving away, the more I actually have because I'm surrounded by powerful people, all right? And I become more powerful. So it's important to understand that. And as kingdom people, we are powerful and we can share that power. We can inspire others to be more powerful. And so we're going to go straight into uh, this message. If you can please turn to 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. It's a powerful key scripture that I want to share with you. 1 John, 1 John 4, verse 4. It says, you dear children are from God 
and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. This is such a powerful foundational scripture. The fact that we are from God. I love the way John doesn't just go ahead and say, you guys are more powerful than people in the world. You guys are more powerful than anything in the world. He first states where we are from, right? You, dear children, are from God. In other words, God is our father. And one of the main meanings of the word father is source, okay? Originator. So we come from God. And because we come from God, greater is he that is in us, okay? Than he that is in the world. In other words, the influence and impact that I have on the world around me is greater than it has on me. So if you're intimidated by worldly people, if you're intimidated by worldly systems, it's because you're ignorant of this revelation, which is so foundational in terms of our identity, that the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. The scripture is not just about casting out demons. It's talking about power. You see, uh, if, you, if you study civilization, it's basically a battle for power. And the Bible here is showing us that because we are from God, we are more powerful than whatever is in the world. I think this is so important, okay? Believers that understand the scripture are not intimidated by the world in any way. The moment you find yourself intimidated by the world's success, the world's money, the world's system, begin to meditate on the scripture. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Why? Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I don't know what you're facing right now in life. Maybe you've been struggling. Maybe you've been uh, going through economic difficulties because of the lockdown. I don't know where you're at, but I want to tell you right now that whatever God has placed inside of you is bigger. Whatever is placed into your spirit is bigger, greater, has more power than whatever is coming against you. Believe that and watch what will happen. Okay, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Again, so powerful. That word treasure is an interesting one. It's actually the word thesaurus. We have this thesaurus. And what it actually is speaking of is a storehouse for precious things. So my inner person is a storehouse of precious things, a receptacle of valuables. That's what it's talking about. So it's not talking about just the actual treasure. It's talking about the box where the treasure is, the storehouse where the treasure is, okay? Including thoughts stored up in the human heart. So my thoughts are precious. They're like treasure. My imagination is precious. My mind is precious, okay? The things that God has placed inside of my inner person are treasure, right? Um, so we have this treasure in jars of clay. Now, jars of clay don't necessarily look fancy, do they? Okay, simple jars of clay. But the reason why God has done it this way, it says to show that this all-surpassing power. So the power I have doesn't just pip the world's power, okay? It's not like it's a photo finish with the world's power. There's no debate about it. The Bible calls it an all-surpassing power, right? It's the word hyperbole in scripture, in the Greek, actually. It's the, it's the word hyperbolu, right? And it basically speaks of excess. 
So I have excess. I have more than enough power, right? Um, and it's from God and it's not from us. This is such a powerful statement here because it tells me that I mustn't judge. I mustn't judge the amount of power in me, the treasure in me based on my outward appearance. Okay. Don't judge how powerful you are based on your outward appearance. Why? Because God has intentionally made it this way. Okay. We don't look superhuman on the outside. Okay. We don't look like superheroes on the outside, but it's so that the power is the Lord's. It's so that everyone sees that it must have been God who did that amazing thing. You are powerful. I am powerful. This is part of our identity. It's central to our identity. We need to see ourselves as powerful people. Powerful people do powerful things. Powerful people do great things. See yourself as powerful, right? Romans 8 verse 37 to 39 says, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It doesn't just say we are conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Can you see the language that is being used in scripture? right? Uh, the surpassing power. We are more than conquerors. There's no debate about it, right? Through him who loved us. I love the way this passage of scripture combines God's power with his love, right? I am powerful. I'm an overcomer, but that is embedded in the fact that he loves me. So I must always have a revelation of his love. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, because no one can take that love away from me, right? No one can take away the fact that I'm more than a conqueror because the fact that I'm more than a conqueror is embedded in his love for me. Isn't that powerful? Look at that, that first statement there. No, in all these things, and he's just been describing all sorts of difficulties, trials, tribulations. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. As long as God loves you, and as long as you know that he loves you, you are more than a conqueror. Isn't that powerful? Okay. I find the scripture so powerful because it combines our power with his love. When we talk about power today, let's remember that this power is embedded in the love of God. It's not in my own ego. It's not in my own strength. It's not in my own ability. It's in the fact that he loves me. The power we have is grounded and rooted in a revelation of his love. Um, what's also so powerful to understand is that I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from victory. Okay. We do not fight for victory, but from victory because we already have the victory. It's something that's already happened. Okay. We are already victorious. So when we go out, we are reinforcing the victory. Okay, we are literally taking ground that Jesus has already won for us. It's important to understand that when we look uh, in scripture, look at the book of um, Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. The Bible says uh, in the Amplified, then the seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdom, which is dominion rule of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Some translations will say uh, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. 
Isn't this amazing? We know how things will end. We understand the teleos. Teleos is a Greek word which talks about how things will end, okay? That we have the victory. So when we are fighting our battles, we're fighting from victory, not for victory. The victory is already ours. We've already overcome. We're already more than conquerors. This is the mindset you and I should have in any discussion we have with anyone. Okay, in any uh, dialogue we engage in in the workplace, that I am victorious. God is for me. He has the victory that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. He hasn't come to take sides. He's come to take over. This is the mentality of victorious people, right? And this is important because it needs to translate into everyday life. Are you struggling in your marriage? You are victorious. You're more than a conqueror. Are you struggling in business? You're victorious. You're more than a conqueror. Are you struggling in your academic work, in your exams that are maybe coming up? You are more than a conqueror. You can do it. Even in difficult times, you can do it. Okay. In Matthew 16, verse 18, the Bible says, and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. As long as we are associated with that, which God says will win, then we will also win, right? This is a promise that he's given to his church. Not to any other entity, his church. He loves his church and he's actually stated here that on this rock, the rock is speaking of the revelation of the Christ because Peter had just said, you are the Christ. And Jesus then responds and says, you know what? On this revelation, I'm going to build my church. That's why everything we do in the church needs to be Christ-centered, okay? Christocentric. And he says, the gates of hell, Hades is speaking of hell there, right? The gates of hell will not overcome it. So there's a promise in scripture. There's the scripture that says that I am more than a conqueror. There's Jesus basically saying that the gates of hell shall not overcome the advance of his church. All right. Um, there's, the, there's the book of the revelation that is showing us how things will end. All right. That the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. Right. That's, that, that's three scriptures reinforcing our victory reinforcing your victory, reinforcing my victory, right? And this victory includes the battles that we face, okay? We cannot keep saying like, oh, you know what? It's fine. I've lost this battle and I've lost that battle, but at least Jesus is on the throne and ultimately he'll win. No, the way wars are won is battle by battle. And we are facing battles in our lives. You might be facing battles with a wayward, um, rebellious teenager, for example, Okay. God has given you the victory in that situation, okay? God has given you the victory, right? Battles need to be won, amen, and he's given us the victory. So as I talk to you about power today, I want to talk to you about three dimensions of the believer's power, the power that we have as believers, three dimensions. There are many dimensions, but I want to focus on three, okay? The first aspect of power that we must understand for our kingdom identity to be truly embedded in us is our positional power, our legal power, okay? That's, uh, that, that's so important to understand that we have power because of where we are positioned legally, okay? If you understand anything about spiritual warfare, a lot of it has to do with legality, 
A lot of it has to do with legality. Let me give you an example. Someone can be physically stronger than you. For example, they can be a bully at school. Okay. They're physically stronger than you. Right. But how many of you know that you can report that bully to um, the headmaster and they can get into big trouble. They can be suspended. What is that speaking of? That's the legal right that you have to report that person. So they might be physically more powerful than you, but you have legal power, legal right, okay? And as a believer, we've got that. As believers, we've got that. We've got legal authority because Jesus died for us on Calvary. He died for us on the cross. He defeated the enemy. We can now use the name of Jesus to rebuke the enemy, Okay. Um, it's like when you see someone in traffic, okay. When, 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 when there's a lot of traffic around what we have, right? We have certain people playing crucial roles, directing the traffic. Now, the reality is that you don't see that person, that traffic policeman, right? Praying or asking the head of, um, of the police force and saying, please, may I have permission to tell these people to obey me? No, he knows the authority that he has been given and he begins to direct us, okay? And tell us to go this way and tell us to go that way. And we obey, don't we? Otherwise there'll be chaos, all right? Why? He has an understanding that he's been given delegated authority. He's got the legal right to instruct us. You as a child of God have got legal rights, okay? Uh, and it's important that you use your legal power. It's important that you use your positional power. And so let's go into it a little bit, uh, a little bit deeper. Okay. Um, Ephesians chapter two, verse four, we'll read through to verse seven. Bible says here, but God, but God, who so rich in his mercy, you see, it's all based on his mercy. Isn't that wonderful? Because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So where you seated, seated positionally right now, in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, okay? That's positional power. That's positional power. Do not be intimidated by anything or anyone in the world because you're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Can you see how many times the word mercy, the word grace, the word riches of his kindness, these phrases are used in this passage. It's to remind us that our legal authority, our legal power, our positional power, right, stems from his kindness, stems from his grace, stems from what he has done. It's not something you can work for. Let me work so hard and now look at my positional power, right? This is the believer's authority, okay? And we experience spiritual authority as believers because we were raised with Christ at his resurrection. That's where it comes from. Okay. It's not something that we have earned. And so you can thank God for this. Okay. And the word in the Greek that is used for our authority is the word exousia. And it literally means privilege, force, capacity, 
delegated influence and jurisdiction. And those of you who've done our foundational course, uh, Rebuild Ultra, there was a whole message that we did, all right, uh, talking about the authority of the believer. And that's what we're speaking of today, right? Um, he has given us his name to use. And here's the interesting thing. When you give someone power of attorney, all right, and you say, you can use my signature, it has to be someone you trust, right? It has to be someone you trust and they have to be executing your will, the things that you want to happen. Then you've got no problem with the person using your signature, right? So it's the same with Jesus. When we use his name, we need to be representing him. We can't say, uh, Lord, I'm going to use your name to begin to, to start brothels. You can't do that, right? You have to say, God, what is your will? What is your agenda on the earth? Okay. And once you find out what is burdening him, you then go out into the world and you use the name of Jesus, right? To execute that which is Jesus's agenda, not your agenda. Right, so there's a lot of responsibility that comes with the use of his name. I want to encourage you, you are powerful and you've got legal rights, and you can take authority and do great things because of this positional power that you've been given by the Lord. Okay, the second type of power I want to talk to you about is resource power. Resource power, okay. I have resource power, I have resource power. That's access to resources. And I want to highlight a few of these resources because we sometimes forget the resources that are available to us. Okay. In Luke chapter 24, verse 48, the Bible says, verse 48 to 49, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And that's a different use of the word power there. In the Greek, it's the word dunamai, right? And it's basically speaking of miraculous power. It's speaking of might. It's speaking of ability. It's speaking of strength, right? And uh, Jesus here says, you'll be clothed with this. You'll be clothed with dunamai. You'll be clothed with this type of power, divine ability, okay? So as a kingdom person, I need to know that part of my identity is that I am powerful. Firstly, in that I've got authority, legal authority. But secondly, in that I am clothed with the anointing. I'm clothed with might. I'm clothed with divine ability. I have supernatural strength, okay? This is what I call resource power. There are certain resources that God has given me, right, that I can make use of, but I can only do so if I know that I have that divine ability, okay? So we are powerful. So the outworking of this is so phenomenal, and I want to give you a couple of examples, okay, of resource power, resource power, okay? For example, he will give you the words to speak. He will teach you what you have to say at any given point in time. That is such a powerful resource. Imagine wherever you go, if you had the cleverest person, the smartest person in your industry, okay, with an earpiece going through to your ear. And whenever people ask you questions, 
right? Maybe it's in the IT industry. You'll have the answers because you'll hear his voice just explaining to you whatever the answer is, and then you can answer. Now, some people do that, right? I think I've watched movies where people will have that happening, right? And they have all the answers and people are like, how do you know all of this stuff? It's like insider information, insider trading, okay? Um, it's like having that. So we've got supernatural insider trading, taking place where he gives us what to say whenever we need to say it. I call it prophetic advantage, right? That's part of the dunamai. That's part of the supernatural power that we are clothed with when we go out into the world, okay? Um, look at this in Luke 12, verses 11 to 12. The Bible says, when you're brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. Now, this is so phenomenal because this applies to you in all of life, right? For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. And you see, because a lot of us are control freaks, because a lot of us doubt God when it comes to these things, what happens in our lives? We end up not going out and trusting God with his wisdom. So we become overly prepared with our own wisdom and we get into a certain environment and that becomes our default, right? That becomes our anchor. But I'm telling you right now, there'll be times where you won't actually know what to say. You won't know what to say until you're in the situation. I'm not saying don't be prepared, okay? Of course we must be prepared. We must know the word inside out, okay? We must know our craft inside out, but we must be open to what the Holy Spirit has to say when we're asked difficult questions. We must be comfortable moving away from our script when we need to move away from our script, okay? And so he says that the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Isn't it wonderful when the Holy Spirit becomes your teacher, when the Holy Spirit becomes your teleprompter, okay, where you can see what the Holy Spirit is actually saying, and then you begin to say it. That's where the power actually is, okay? In Acts chapter 6, uh, verse 9, I'm going to read from verse 9b through to 10 in the Berean Study Bible. It says, they began to argue with Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr, okay? But they could not stand up to his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke, okay? Now, if he was speaking natural words, they could stand up to him, right? They could stand against him if he was speaking natural words. But because he was speaking by the spirit of God, uh, some translations read like this, says they could not resist the wisdom and the spirit by which Stephen spoke, isn't it powerful when you go into certain environments and you're speaking the very words from God, the very words that the Holy Spirit gives you to speak and people can't resist you, right? He's the one who turns the hearts of kings, okay? It could be a negotiation. I'm telling you right now, this is all about God's kingdom agenda. It's not just when you are preaching the gospel per se, okay? Whatever kingdom agenda God is using you to advance. You can speak with authority the words of Jesus that come from the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God teaches you at that very moment. And people will not be able to resist your wisdom or the spirit by which you speak, okay? You'll speak and you'll speak and you'll speak and they'll be glued listening to you and they'll agree with that proposal. They'll agree with that agenda, especially because it comes from the Holy Spirit. This is so powerful. This is the power we have, right? So you are powerful, okay? They could not resist Stephen because of the wisdom and the spirit 
by which he spoke. Okay, uh, so God will tell you his secrets. God will give you his insider information. Okay, he knows all things. The Bible tells us that he's omniscient. Okay, so he knows everything. And we see this happening with Elisha. The way the prophetic dimension would operate in Elisha's life, okay, you'd have situations and scenarios where uh, the king, in this example, the king of Aaron, Aram would be mad and you'll be afraid. You'll be saying, which one of you guys is betraying me? All right, because he knew that, wait a minute, it seems like when we're fighting against these guys, the children of Israel, we're noticing something. They seem to already know what our plans are. And then they came out and said, like, it's not us. We're not betraying you because there's this great prophet who God uses and he knows. He knows what you, the discussions you have in your very own bedroom. How many of you know that this was Old Testament and now in the new covenant, we have the mind of Christ. We have access to divine wisdom, divine knowledge. We are prophetic people and God can show us certain things in advance. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 10 to 13, you see this. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, so this is not a once-off, this is not a fluke, right? Time and again, Elisha warned the king. That's one of the roles of watchmen, by the way, is to warn, not necessarily to make the decisions, okay, but to actually warn the king, to warn those in authority to say, this is what I'm hearing in the spirit. You make the decision, but this is what I'm hearing in the spirit, okay? Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places, okay? Isn't it amazing? Do you know how valuable you and I would be to CEOs? to managing directors, to, um, to pastors, to people in authority, presidents, if we had this ability. Well, here's the good news. We do have this ability where God can share with you the things that are being shared in secret. You can hear those things and you can warn those who need to be warned, all right, of things to come. And so watch this. It says, this enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. This is so powerful. And uh, from there, they wanted to basically capture uh, Elisha. They saw that this is the secret weapon of the children of Israel. I believe that in this hour, God is raising up a prophetic people who will be so powerful. They will have this type of understanding. They will walk in this type of dimension. And as a result, the world will be full of awe, right? They'll be in awe of what God is doing in the church. And they'll be like, you know what? We better join these people. We better join them, okay? I, either we join them or, 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 or we fight against them. Uh, one of the two. All right, because of the power of God. These are spiritual resources that we have access to. You have prophetic advantage. One of the problems with a lot of business people today is they get so much into business mode when they're in the workplace. There's no room for the Holy Spirit to move. Okay, they literally short circuit the anointing. They forget that I am powerful. I am powerful. I can hear from heaven. 
All right. I've had people who will say, Pastor, can you pray with me concerning this particular thing? Pastor, we're in this decision. Can you pray concerning this thing? And I'll say, I will pray for you and I will seek God to hear what needs to be heard concerning this situation. We have prophetic advantage. God will speak to us concerning business situations, concerning political situations. He'll speak to us in dreams. Okay. He'll speak to us in visions. You've got access to this. Make use of it in the body of Christ. Amen. Okay. Um, the Lord will also show you wickedness in your midst. Okay. One of the prayers we love to pray is, Lord, may wickedness in high places be exposed. And um, I also believe wickedness in low places needs to be exposed. Okay. Do you remember what happened with Elisha and, Ge and Gehazi? Gehazi became greedy. He was greedy. He wanted to use the spiritual gifts that were operating. Okay. The supernatural that was operating. He wanted to use it to his advantage. And so he was like, mm, I can actually start making money out of this. And he was tempted to do so. And it's interesting how Elisha saw this. Elisha saw this and Elisha says, you know, my spirit was with you when you did A, B, C, D. Okay. And there are consequences to this. You see, it's important that there's no mixture when it comes to functioning in the power of God. It's so important that we do it with a pure heart. Do not do it for monetary gain. Okay. Freely you've been given. Freely give. Those of you who are gifted, don't start thinking to yourself, oh, because of my gift, this is how I can start making money. Okay, that was not the purpose of the gifts of God. If people want to bless you financially, if they want to sow into your life, that's up to God, right? And they can do so. And that's wonderful. And God blesses that. But that should not be the motive when it comes to ministry. Okay, we minister from a pure heart. Freely, we've been given these gifts, right? We've been given. And so we will give them freely. And God blesses us in many other ways. Now, have a look at what happened uh, in the life of um, Elisha with regards to this uh, when, when it came to his, his servant. In 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 26 to 27, But Elisha said to him, Was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to make money or to accept clothes or olive groves and vineyards? or flocks and herds, or male and female slaves. Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence and his skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. So it's very serious. It's very serious. And I believe that um, some people experience the consequences of this type of mixture. We see it even in the New Testament, okay, taking place, okay, uh, with Simon the sorcerer, right? And some people might say, but that was really harsh of Peter to, to say that to Simon the sorcerer and to say, you know, but there was a place for forgiveness because Simon the sorcerer said, please, can you, please, 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 can you ask that God forgives me of this thing that I'm doing where I'm trying to buy spiritual gifts with money? All right. The point is, it was a serious matter. We need to deal with the spiritual gifts with a pure heart. Okay. But the point I'm making is we are powerful people and God can open our eyes so that we see wickedness in our midst where we need to see it. Some of you are starting businesses, but you're starting businesses with people who are trafficking in the wrong thing and it will end up killing your business. Okay. Ask God to reveal to you these things. Ask God to show you what you need to see with regards to some of these things, all right? And he will show you, 
right? That's how faithful he is. You know, what's so powerful about uh, resource power is that we actually have heavenly resources mobilized on our behalf. You have heavenly resources mobilized on your behalf. The reality is that when you're functioning in the kingdom of God, in the power of God, you have angels working for you. You are part of God's army, right? And uh, again, we see this and we're still with Elisha. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 to 20, very often we're afraid because we don't know the resources that are working on our behalf. We're not familiar with uh, this wonderful God who's called Jehovah Sabaoth. All right, the, the Lord over the army of angels. We're not familiar with him, so we get anxious, okay? We tend to look at things in the natural instead of being aware of the spiritual climate around us. So when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? Some of you are in that situation right now in your life. You're in a situation where you are surrounded and you're saying, I've got these debts, I've got these bills, I've got these situations that I find myself in. And you're saying, oh no, my Lord, what shall I do? May God open your eyes to see the resource power that you have. May God open your eyes as he opened Elisha's servant's eyes. Okay. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, in the natural, that was not true. But in the spirit realm, that was true. Fix your mind on heaven. Fix your mind on divine resources that are around you. Okay? The amount of money that God is making available for your cause is way more than what you can see in the bank account right now. Okay? God is not limited to your bank account. He can provide for you in many other ways. Do not be materialistic. Do not function according to human wisdom, but function according to the divine resources that God has actually given you, okay? The servant asked, okay, so do not be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, that's also quite interesting, right? Because he saw that these horses and chariots were around Elisha, okay? So there are certain people who move with angels around them, okay? And some have more working for them than others do. May God open our eyes to see who is around me who walks with these angels, okay? Mighty angels, right? Uh, they're angels that each of us have access to. But there are also many more angels that are present simply because of who we are associated with. And that's another revelation for another time. But it's important to understand this and to have your eyes opened so that you see people after the Spirit. And so his eyes were opened and he saw these chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. Now, how was the army struck with blindness? It was through this army, this invisible army, okay? 
So he struck them with blindness as, as Elisha had asked. Please note, Elisha had to ask, right? Can you see how our prayers are powerful in mobilizing angelic activity? He's praying to God, not to the angels, right? Not to the chariots. He's praying to God and then God is using this host, this army of angels to do the work. So you cannot separate angelic activity from intercessory prayer. You cannot separate angelic activity from warfare prayer. It's very important. All right. And then now look what happens. Um, it says, so he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they had entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of this ma these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and they were inside Samaria, okay? So um, it's amazing the type of victory that we can have, right? And the freedom we have from fear when we have a revelation of the resource power we have with regards to the army of angels around us, okay? So uh, I am part of a big army and God fights my battles for me. That's part of my identity. God fights my battles I am part of a big army, okay? Uh, it's also important to know the other resource we have, and that's the weapons we have, okay? I have access to powerful, divinely supernatural weapons. I have access to them, all right? I'm not just part of a great army, but I've got supernatural weapons. How many of you know that there's certain things you do differently when you know you've got access to certain weapons, right? A small five-year-old, if they've got access to amazing weapons, they will do certain things, right, to uh, burglars that try and come into the house, for example, right? Um, the reality is that you have weapons of righteousness. You have supernatural weapons that you can make use of. Now, there's no point having a weapon but not knowing how it works. There's no point in having a weapon but not knowing how it works. So we need to be trained in how we use these weapons, okay? How many of you know that prayer is a weapon? How many of you know that worship and praise is a weapon? But we need to know how to use these weapons of righteousness. How many of you know that love is a weapon, okay? Bible says love never fails, all right? It's a weapon of righteousness. The Bible talks about weapons of righteousness that we've got, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 4 says, For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. That's the problem with many Christians, right? They try to fight their battles in the same way that the world fights its battles. That doesn't work, okay? Look how Elisha fought that battle. He didn't do it in the world's way, all right? If you look at Gideon and that whole process that Gideon went through with the Lord, okay? It was a supernatural process. Are you using weapons of righteousness from God to fight your battles, or are you trying to wage war in the way the world does, okay? The, the way the world does it is through the flesh. The way God calls us to do it is through the spirit, right? Verse four, the weapons with, we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. There's that word power again. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. And this is primarily talking about strongholds in our minds, you see, 
Christians are defeated today because of the things that are going on in their minds, the things that are happening upstairs here, all right? What we call stinking thinking, right? But God has given us supernatural power, divine power to demolish these strongholds. Isn't that amazing? And that's why it's important for us to execute uh, deliverance, to preach deliverance, all right? Uh, so that people are loosed and they're free to do what God has called them to do. And that word, by the way, for, uh, for weapons is the word in the Greek opla, which basically is a weapon, but it's also a tool. It's also an implement. All right. Uh, so God has given us tools that we can use, right? Divine tools. Okay. From heaven that we can use. Question, are you using those? And do you know what they are? And I'm not going to preach on them at the moment, but I encourage you uh, to listen to our messages on prayer, for example, where we talk about some of the weapons that we have, weapons of righteousness. Okay, very, very important. So the first type of power we spoke about was positional power or legal power. The second type was resource power. Okay, that was dunamis, right? Or dunamai. And then uh, I want to end off by talking to you about relational power. I have relational power. I'm powerful because of who I'm associated with. Have you noticed that happens? Sometimes it's called social power. Some of you might be working with someone who got the job because uh, they're the CEO's nephew, okay? And you'll notice that no one messes with that particular individual because that person is the CEO's nephew. And then it's very annoying if you do anything or say anything to that individual, okay, uh, uh, because you know that they can report it to their uncle, right? Um, well, I want you to know today that you are powerful by virtue of the fact that you are God's child, virtue of the fact that you're related to God. Virtue of the fact that you come from God, you are powerful because of that. Look at the book of Psalms 24, verse 1 to 2. The Bible says something so powerful here. Verse 1 to 2. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. This is such a powerful statement, okay? Because this God, who's my father, owns everything. And I'm in relationship with him. So he has access to everything. Isn't that so powerful? The earth is the Lord's. We forget that. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. For he founded it. He's the founder of the world, okay? On the earth and the seas and established it on the waters. And that's why the Bible can say things like, hey, I'm taking the wealth of the wicked and giving it to the righteous. I'm the one who can turn the hearts of kings, right? And so when we pray, we can pray powerful prayers, knowing that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And that's why kingdom wealth is really to do with stewardship, that whatever he's given me that I think I own, I don't really own it. It belongs to him and I'm a steward of it. Very, very important, okay? In the book of Psalms, um, chapter 50, Psalms 50, 11 to 12 says, I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. That's what God is saying. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world is mine and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Okay. 
He's basically challenging them with regards to their sacrifices because they think they're doing God a favor with all their sacrifices. And he's basically saying, I'm bigger than this, guys. I'm bigger than this. Hello, I'm bigger than this, right? I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world is mine. That's how big and mighty and majestic this wonderful God is. Okay. And this wonderful God who's so mighty, so big, so powerful, right? I have a relationship with him. That's relational power. I can speak to him. I have his ear. Okay. He manifests his presence where, where I am, right? He, I have appointments with him. Isn't that wonderful? You have a relationship with the creator of the universe. In Romans 8, verse 31 to verse 32, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? If God is for you, who's against you? Okay, this wonderful God who's your father is actually for you. He's rooting for you. That's why he sends his angels to work on your behalf, right? That's why he comes close to you and says, you know what? This is the plan I have for you. Plans for you to prosper. Plans for a future for you. I am actually for you. I'm not just with you. I'm for you. I'm not against you. So if someone tries to be against you, oh, I feel for them, all right? Because I am for you, okay? In that deal you're about to sign, have this revelation. God is for you. That's how powerful you are. Okay, he who did not spare his own son. In other words, he's so for you that he was willing to give up his only begotten son for you. Okay, now if he can do that, surely he will do anything else for you. Okay, says, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? So why do you doubt that God will give you that breakthrough? Why do you doubt that God wants to prosper you? Why do you even question it when he's given you his best already? Just think about it. If I had a rich uncle, right? And I knew that I was his favorite nephew. And this rich uncle comes and says, Paul, I'm going to pay for your university fees, right? I'm going to pay for your university fees and I'm going to also buy you a mansion, okay? How can I doubt if I go to that same uncle and I say, can, can I please have a chewing gum? Why do I then doubt that he would, give, he, would, he would give me a chewing gum, right? This mighty God has already given you his son. He's already died for you on the cross. Surely he will give you all things. When we have this revelation of how big God is, how generous God is, and that this God is for us, we have confidence when we go before him with our requests. This is so important because of this wonderful relationship we have with him. Say to the person next to you, this God is for you. This God is for you. This God is for you. Okay. Um, one of my kids showed me this the other day and I just think it's so, so powerful. You know, are you related to anyone famous? I don't want to brag, but I heard dad calling God his father. Okay. Um, and it's true. We are related to him. That's why you saw that scripture. You know, hey, children, you are from God. You are from God. Our relationship, I want to I say this, our relationship with God is so crucial, especially when we understand his nature. When you know that he's so generous and that he's for you 
and that you're in relationship with this God, your prayers become more powerful. Isn't that powerful? Okay. Now, when we talk about relational power, it's important to focus, yes, on God, but to also know that God works through people, right? And so I've got relational power because of certain people I'm in relationship with that God has literally sent into my life, okay? So our relationship with destiny helpers gives us access to the grace on their lives. This is so crucial. And I want to give you the example again from Elisha's life. Okay, in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through to 7, the company of prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, where each of us can get a pole, and let us build a place there for us to meet. And he said, Go. Then one of them said, and this was a clever guy, obviously, won't you please come with your servants? They understood, this person understood that as long as Elisha is with us, we'll be cool, we'll be fine. Because there's something in Elisha's relationship with God that we then have access to, okay? And what did Elisha say? He said, I will, Elisha replied. And he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. I want to say something to you. This miracle would not have taken place if Elisha had not gone with them. Okay. Because Elisha was with them, this miracle could take place. I want to say that God has assigned people to you because he knows your needs. And in the body of Christ, he wants us to be interdependent. I know some people have got a strong independent spirit and they've got a theology that stems from that independent spirit that I don't need anyone. I can do it myself. I'm a self-made man. Eh, wrong. Incorrect answer. Okay. God sends people into your life as destiny helpers to take you to your next level. Lest you boast and say, I'm a self-made man. I can do it on my own. Are you recognizing those people who need to come with? Those people who need to go with you when you do what you do. There are certain business people today who will not do certain things. They will not open certain buildings, right? Unless a certain pastor is physically with them there to open that building because they know and they recognize the grace of God on that person's life in order to do that, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. We are not being dependent on man. We are recognizing that, Lord, there are people you've placed in my life that have got a grace that is upon them and I become a partaker of, the, of that grace as I'm associated with those people. I cannot do it on my own. I'm a strong business person, yes, but there's a certain anointing that I need in order to break through to that other country. There's a prophetic mantle that this person carries and there's a seeing ability that they have, 
right? Where they can see certain things that I can't see. Let me ask this person to pray concerning my business, concerning the school that I'm a headmaster of, concerning um, this institution that I head up. Let me get them involved so that I progress, okay? Now, this, this follower of Elisha understood this and experienced breakthrough. One of Elisha's servants had his eyes opened up, right? Uh, because of the grace that was on Elisha's life. It's important to understand that God does work through people and we need to be open to this so that our lives just go to our next level. Otherwise, we stagnate and we remain where we are if we are proud and if we carry the independent spirit. So I want to reinforce to you these three types of power. You have positional power or legal power. You also have resource power. You also have relational power. I call it PR squared or PRR, okay? Positional power, resource power, and relational power. Run with these things. Run with these things and watch what happens in your life. Renew your mind accordingly and walk in the power that the Lord has given you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power that you've given us, that you've clothed us with great power. We thank you, Father God, for the positional power we have because we are in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for the resource power we have, divine ability to do great things in God. And we thank you, Father, for the relational power that you have given us, Lord. Relational power because of our relationship primarily with you. And then also the relationships we have with the destiny helpers that you've sent into our lives, Lord, to help us to go to another level. Some come with great spiritual authority. Others come as servants serving us and helping us to go to our next level. We open our hearts to this, Lord, and we say, come and have your way. We embrace this as our identity, that I am powerful in Jesus' mighty name. I want to encourage you, share this message with other people. Talk about it so that it gets into your spirit and pray it over your life. If there are things that you need to repent of, where you need to change your mind concerning certain things, certain aspects, where you've been blocked off this power, uh, do so, do so. But let this message change your life. God bless you.